beautiful presence of the Lord is in the house today. Amen. How many believe God wants to do great things in this house? On this Power Sunday today, how many believe lives are going to be changed today? You believe that? Have you come with an expectancy in your heart? Oh, hallelujah. With an expectancy in our heart. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I, I just, it's not a real flashy title today, but I, I want to talk about principles of church unity. How many know our church is uh, experiencing a harvest of souls? God is blessing us. God is blessing us as a church, as a congregation. Our church is growing. Miracles are happening. Lives are being changed, and I am thankful for it. Oh, hallelujah. I said, I'm thankful for it. I'm not going to take that for granted, what God is doing. We're going to give God praise for it. We're going to give God praise for what he's doing in our church. Amen. What did we baptize three or four more last Sunday? Come on, God's doing great things in our midst, and I thank him for it. And it's because we want God's continued blessing to be upon us as a church that I, I felt prompted to teach on what we're going to talk about this morning. And it is something that I alluded to a few weeks ago in our prayer service, and I'd like to just kind of dig into it a little bit more. There's, there's actually so much to this that we're not going to have time to teach. Who knows, we might do a part two Possibly. I've been known to do that before. Amen. But I, I turn your attention this morning to the word of the Lord in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, the sixth chapter, Judges chapter 6 and verse 3. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalite, Amalekites and the children of the East, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. Till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass, for they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for the multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So here we see now that the Israelites, who as we know are God's people, and so here we find God's people had went through all of the hard work of tilling the ground and planting the seed and, and weeding the fields. And now we find that the harvest was beginning to sprout forth. All that they had worked so hard for was now coming into fruition. The harvest that they were looking for, the harvest that they were planning for, the harvest that they were work working so diligently towards was now becoming a reality. But it was at that moment that the word of the Lord tells us that the Midianites would invade the land and the Midianites would come swooping in and they would be them and their camels almost without number. And, and the Bible says that it would be at that moment that the Midianites would steal the harvest that God had intended for his people. Now, it is important that we know, as I made reference to this church uh, concerning a few weeks ago, that the name Midian. The name Midian means brawling or contentious or fighting. 
So here we see that it is when God's people are experiencing their harvest that the enemy will try to send a brawling, contentious, fighting spirit into their midst. For hell knows that if that spirit can break out among a few of God's people, then that is going to have the power to steal the harvest that God is giving the people, his people. So understanding that tactic from hell this morning, I say to you and I, that we just need to refuse to allow ourselves to be a pawn in Satan's hand to steal the harvest that God is giving this church. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want my life, I don't want my feelings, I don't want my emotions, I don't want my will to be able in any way to be used by hell to cause contention in any shape or any form or any fashion in order that hell would be able to hinder the revival and the harvest that God is planning and is even right now doing for this church. Oh, hallelujah. How, how many will just join with me right now and say, hell, you're not, you're not going to be able to use me to accomplish what you're going to try to accomplish. Oh, hallelujah. We understand and know today that the enemy can only, the only weapon that the enemy has is what? Do I need to do the series again? What is the only weapon that the enemy has? Lies. So we need to make up our minds to not believe any lie from the enemy that will cause discord or division in any way in the body of Christ. Somebody said amen. Now, here's what I want to make very, very plain to everybody that is here. I'm not teaching this today and talking about this today because there's a lot of fighting going on in the church, which is good. Because there's not a lot of fighting going on in the church, and I thank God for it. I'm teaching this today because we are currently witnessing a greater harvest of souls than what we've ever seen in this church. And I know that hell is not happy about it. And I'm happy that he's not happy about it. <laughs> Therefore, because of what we are seeing, we need to recognize that hell is going to do what he does to try to stop what God is doing. So we need to use spiritual wisdom to discern the fact that hell is going to fight against what God is doing and he's going to try to use that spirit of discord and division, that contentious spirit, and since we know the weapon he's going to use, then we need to make sure that all of us, somebody say that means me, is guarding ourselves against that spirit. Oh, hallelujah. We always want everybody else to guard against the spirit, right? But we need to make sure we're guarding our own lives and our own minds against that divisive spirit, contentious spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So in order to combat that spirit of division, we see our great need as a people, as a people of God, to show love one towards another. 
We, we see our great need to show compassion one towards another, to show great forgiveness one towards another. We see our great need to be unified with the church, with a unity that is strong and a unity that is unbreakable. Oh, hallelujah. And yet we also know that we are all human beings with real human tendencies and real human frailties and real human shortcomings in our lives, at least most of us. For here's the deal today. We're, we are living out our faith in God with others who, like us, don't always say the right thing. We're living out our faith with others in the, in the body that, that, like us, don't always do the right things. Am I right? So what do we do in order to not allow that Midianite spirit, that contentious spirit to be allowed to rise up in our lives when in the course, in the context of the body of Christ, Others like us might not say and do the right things all of the time. What do we do? Well, I'm thankful that God understood that we were flesh. And he understood the struggles that we would have. And he knew that in the church there would be some conflicts and some potential disagreements and an occasional collision of human will and human emotion. So knowing that, he decided to do some teaching on it in order that we might learn and know what to do in those moments so that we could continue to have unity amongst the believers. And that teaching is found in Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 15. Matthew 18 and verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him, his fault between thee and him alone. We might not get much further past that, but the teaching continues and says, If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he'll not hear thee, if he doesn't receive it, then you need to take somebody with you that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Verse 17, And if he shall neglect to hear you, then... Both of you or two or three of you, then you need to tell it to the church. Now, you don't do that unless you talk to me. All right? You don't just get up here in the microphone or on Facebook. and There's a, there's a, there's a system for that. And if you neglect to hear the church, then let him... Be unto thee as a heathen man or a publican. Now, so now here we see that, that Jesus establishes here a procedure that he wants us to follow. It's very plain. It's very clear. There is a, 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 a godly procedure that we are to follow in the event of a possible uh, contentious moment between us and someone in the church. A division would rise up between us and somebody else. We are not at, at a loss of what to do. We know exactly what we're supposed to do. Now, we need to be willing to do it the way the Bible tells us to do it and not the way our flesh wants to handle it. Somebody said amen. 
We need to handle this the way the Word of God tells us to handle it. We need to be a Bible-believing church in all areas, not just Acts 2.38. Am I right? Oh, hallelujah. And so it, it, uh, somebody said that, that if, if, if about this teaching that I just read to you from the Lord, that if all believers would simply obey the word of the Lord like we're supposed to, as it applies to this teaching that Jesus did, that it would solve more than half of the issues in the church. And I, I, I believe that, probably a lot more than just half, probably all of it. For these teachings of Jesus, if obeyed, will rectify in a God-honoring way any and all conflict that we may have one with another. If both individuals are following after the word of the Lord and led of the Spirit. Somebody said amen. And the, so the first thing, so let's, let's dig into this now, and i got to hurry. The first thing he instructs us to do is this. Again, Matthew 18, 15, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. It's important that we understand that this word trespass, everybody say trespass. This word trespass means to miss the mark, to error, or to be mistaken. So sometimes when we talk about division in the church, we talk, we we kind of think about people that are that you know they man they chewed me out or or they they lied about me or they were malicious against me or they they tore me down or you know something kind of mean spirited which which that would fall under this category of of trespass against us they they treated us poorly yes that that would apply to this but it's. But it's also speaking of those times, hear me, when we feel as if somebody in the body of Christ have simply missed the mark on something. We believe them to be mistaken in the way that they feel, the way that they think, the way that they have acted either towards others or towards us. Maybe it wasn't necessarily something malicious or it it wasn't necessarily something mean-spirited. They weren't trying to tear somebody down, even though that would fall under this category as well. But maybe it was just uh, uh, something that they did, said, acted in such a way that they missed the mark on it. And so this is what I want to discuss, all of this. And because I've seen this happen, you know, in almost 20 years of pastoring, and I've seen this happen so many times and, and many times. Hear me now. People don't even realize that they are not being obedient to this verse. They don't even realize that they are disobeying this word from the Lord. This this teaching, I I need your minds here today, but this teaching is important for all of us. But for all of us, for all of us. I'd especially like our ministry and uh, ministers and leaders and, 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 and all of us, though, to p- pay special attention to what we're discussing today. For, for I've heard some saints and I've heard some leaders referencing other saints or referencing other leaders or ministers in the church. And, and they'll say things like this. Well, I just knew that they would respond negatively. I just knew that they would respond with the wrong attitude. So I knew not to bring that thing up to them. 
I knew not to talk to them about that thing. Or they'll say things like this, well, I just knew that that's who they were. That's just how they are. And that's how they're going to respond. So I, I don't really deal with them on those levels. I, I, I need to deal with them on those levels because we're in ministry together and leading together. But I just don't deal with them on those levels because I know how they're going to respond. And so I just kind of shy away from that particular area of our relationship or, or, or they say things like, well, what they did hurt my feelings or it frustrated me or it hindered what I felt like God wanted to do in our church. So I just left it alone and I walked away. So one person gets frustrated, one person gets upset and in some ways thinks less of the other person because they feel like the other person responded incorrectly, inappropriately, or even unbiblically in some way, that other person missed the mark. And so now this person is frustrated with them, upset with them. They think less than, they, they, you know, they think less than the individual now. But they say, so I just left it alone. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't deal with it. And they feel like they are the bigger person. They feel like they are the more spiritually mature individual. Because they were able to just leave it alone, ignore it, move on. I just, I just know not to deal with them about that. And so I'm the more spiritually mature person because I'm just leaving it alone. But the truth of the matter is, is that both of those individuals are wrong. It's quiet today. For the one individual missed the mark with their response. The one individual missed the mark with their attitude. But the other person did not bother to be obedient to the word of the Lord and go to that person in order to make right between them the mark that was missed. Hmm. So here we find both of them are just as much at fault as the other one. Because now we find, hear me, there is division on some level between those two individuals. You see, because here, here's the lie. Oh, hear me now. Here's the lie that we believe, even in leadership or ministry or even in the church. We might get along with somebody. We might talk with somebody and have a relationship with somebody. But there is that particular area of our relationship where there's division. So what do we do because we're so spiritual? Well, we just leave that alone. We just don't talk about that. We just don't deal with that. Listen, division doesn't have to be you sit over there and they sit over there. Division doesn't have to be you know, I hate your guts. 
Division can be, you're my brother, you're my sister in the Lord. I love you. We're doing ministry together. But on that particular area, we're divided, but we just don't talk about it. I don't talk to you about it. You don't talk to me about it. We're just divided. Oh, hallelujah. And the truth of the matter is this. Division is division. What acceptable level of division do we want to have in the church? See, that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. We're saying that is an acceptable level of division. Because, you know, we don't hate each other. You know, we get along one another. We're doing ministry together with one another. And so, yeah, there's this issue and this issue, and I don't talk to them about this, and and we don't, you know, we're, 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 we're fighting or, you know, we have some difference there and on and on and on. But we don't, we don't talk about that. And so we just, we, we, we're, we, we click on most cylinders, just not on all cylinders. And so how, how quickly down the road are we getting? If we're firing, I guess firing on all, Brother Tim, firing on all cylinders, not clicking on all. Firing all cylinders. So here we understand this today that, that we, we, we can believe lies from the enemy that says that we can have an acceptable level of division and it's okay. Mm. Hallelujah. Uh, don't, don't run the aisles all at once today. Sometimes division looks like not being able to truly connect with somebody on a deep level in order to accomplish what God is trying to accomplish in the church. And the reason is, is because we say, you know, we just, I'm just not going to talk to him about that. And we feel like we're the, the better for it when in reality we're both wrong. Hallelujah. The Bible is telling us that if in some way, if in some way, somebody misses the mark as, or we perceive them to miss the mark as it relates to their interaction with us, and the missing, and in the missing of that mark, it offends or it hurts or not even just necessarily offends, but even if it hinders a fluid moving of the Spirit, in the church or in a particular ministry. I, I want to help our ministry leaders because you know you're thinking right now. You're thinking like, man, it, it would be so nice if, you know, I, I get along with so-and-so and, and, and we work hand in hand and, and everything's, everything's good. But it, it always gets awkward about that one thing. And whenever that one particular area kind of gets brought up, it always gets weird and, and, and it's just, it's always gets a little frustrating and I'm a little frustrated at them and I know they're frustrated at me. And so we're, we're, we're doing ministry together and, and we get along and everything's fine. But man, it would be so nice if we didn't have that particular weight pulling us back all the time. And it's not necessarily something that we see every week, but, but it's always there in the background because division is division. And it hinders forward spiritual momentum. Oh, hallelujah. So I say we just need to have a proper biblical culture where we 
can go to the person as the Bible tells us to do. It doesn't say be the bigger person and ignore it. Be the more spiritual person and ignore it. That's not what it says. It says if there's a mark that is being missed, go to the person. Figure it out. Talk about it. Prayerfully come together. Consider the big picture, the big vision. Get it straightened out so that we can then move forward in the things of God. Oh, hallelujah. You see, because, because what happens is, is we look at those people and, and we say, you know, they're, they're, they're good and they're good and they're good. But then, but then we, we find an area of fault in them or a mistake and, and we begin to think less of them. Not in all areas, just in some areas. Right? We begin to think less of them because of how they responded or the way they think or the way they acted or whatever. But the Bible tells us to esteem all others higher than ourselves. And so it is impossible to be obedient to that word to esteem all others higher than ourselves if we are also thinking less of someone because of the way they respond or talk or deal in the church. For to think less of them in any form, in any fashion, is to be disobedient to the word of the Lord. Because you cannot esteem all others higher than yourself and think less of them at the same time. Mm, Man, I'm teaching really good today. So we are to lovingly, kindly, and wisely speak up. Go to the person. Have a conversation with them in love, in wisdom, in kindness. So that that relationship, whatever it may be, can be made whole in all areas, not just in some areas. I know from time to time, you know, I'll feel led to tell the church, listen, if you got odd against a brother, and the, the problem with that, and that's talking about division amongst between you and somebody else, the problem is, is where our brain goes is, you know, did I chew anybody out or... Did I have an argument with somebody? Do I hate somebody? Right? But what is that? That's like, that's like the, that's, that's, that's one particular part of this. But it's not the totality of it. Because there can be people that we truly love and be involved in ministry with that in some way we're divided against them. Now it's not some huge We'll go out to eat with them after church. We'll, you know, we'll hang out with them on a Friday night. We have a good time with them until that thing comes up. And that's where the division is. And so it's like we can be, we, we, we can be moving forward and moving forward, but then all of a sudden we're, we hit this wall and we hit this wall. And so we just kind of stay away from each other about that. Well, what is it? It's division. What is it? That's ought. But we don't really think about that to go make that right. We just make things right that, you know, if we hate somebody. If it's like really big and blatant. You see, and this is what the enemy wants to do. Oh, hallelujah. This is what the enemy, and this is why he's such a good liar. Because he'll, he'll tell us, oh, I love everybody. 
I don't have to go to anybody and make anything right because I love everybody. Yeah, that's great. You love everybody. But even people you love, there can be semblance of division with people you love. And it hinder the moving forward of the vision that God is trying to accomplish through you and that person. Oh, Jesus, help us now. And so what does he say? He says, go to that person and get this thing right. Get this stuff figured out between you and them. Pray one with another and say, listen, this, this is an area that we, we seem to struggle with. We, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's ask God to help us with this so we can come into unity in all areas and not just most areas. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So, one of the reasons, is this all right today? One of the reasons why it's important for us to lovingly, humbly, and wisely go to those individuals and bring to the forefront this, this area of confrontation where we feel like maybe somebody has missed the mark. One of the reasons why this is so important is so that we can, hear me, so that we can resolve misunderstandings. For most offenses in the church result from misunderstandings. If I know anything, I know that. Most offenses in the church are a result of a misunderstanding. I hear people, I hear people that are upset and mad and whatever, and they, they say, well, so-and-so said this or so-and-so did this, and I'm thinking... That doesn't sound like so-and-so at all. You know what I'm talking about? That, uh, I, that is totally not their character. And that is totally, would, I would never picture them saying something like that. I'm not saying they couldn't. I'm just saying most of the time, it's a misunderstanding. Many, many things could be quickly resolved. If offended parties would just go to the source and say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't know. This is, what, this is what you said, and this is how I took it. I just want to talk to you about this. Did, is that what you meant, or did, did you re, do you really have something you want to speak into my life about? Or is that, is that how, it, this, this, is, this, this is how I took it. Because most of the time, most of the time, what is that person going to say? They're going to say, sister, brother, I am so sorry. I did not mean to say that. I did not, I didn't mean for it to come out like that at all. Right? I am so sorry. I did not, that, that was not my intention. That was, that, that's the furthest, that's the furthest thing from, from my mind. I would never want to offend you in that way. I am so sorry if I came across that way. Right? But the problem is, many times we don't go to the person. Right? We, we don't obey the word of the Lord. We don't go to them. And so we just sit in our house and we sit on the pew and we just get madder and madder. And we get more offended and more offended and more offended. We look over and <laughs> oh, yeah, up on the platform. Oh, sure, yeah, okay. Oh, got a microphone in your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And the whole time the person is completely oblivious. 
They're completely oblivious at what they did because they didn't really, even if they did it or said it, they, they didn't mean it at all. It just came out wrong. It was misconstrued in some way. Oh, hallelujah. I've had people, you know, that they, they stop coming to church. We don't see them, and, I, and I'll give them a call, and I'll say, hey, what, what, we've been missing you. They say, well, well, so-and-so said this, or so-and-so did that. Or me as the pastor, you said this, or you did that. And, 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 I, and I say, I'm like, no, 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 no. That, that's not what was meant at all. That is not what was meant at all. I remember years ago, I remember just being a kid, and my dad had to, my dad was the pastor of this church. Some of you don't even know my dad which is bizarre to think about. But he pastored this church for 20-plus years. And, and I remember being, I was probably five or six, and I remember my dad getting up, and he had to address the church about something. <laughs> and we laughed, we laughed about it later, but he had to address the church because, Sister Fable, you might remember this. He had to address the church because there was a rumor floating around that my dad had all kinds of offshore bank accounts. would have been nice, but, you know. But, you know, some, somehow, some rumor, somewhere. You know, I don't know if my dad just said something in passing, like a joke, you know, all my offshore bank accounts kind of thing, you know, just made a joke, just an offhanded remark, and somebody was like, you got off, you know, offshore bank accounts, and, you know, and they, now they just lumped him in with all the other, you know, these money-loving pastors and, you know, skimming the church and stealing from the church and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I don't know how it started, but somewhere somebody heard something, probably, again, just as a, as a joke, as just something offhanded remark, but they took it for being serious. And so words started getting around the church. People started having questions, and, you know. So my dad had to get up and say, no, I don't have any offshore bank accounts. But how much, how much easier would it have been if just that initial person who had the issue, who heard it as fact, even though it wasn't fact at all, how much easier would it have been instead of going around telling everybody, if they would have just went to my dad and said, hey, listen, I, I heard you say something. I just wanted to, is, was, was that true or, you know, whatever. My dad could have said, no, I, I was totally joking. It was just, you know, just a little, a little line I said just, just to crack a joke. And they said, oh, okay, okay, that, that clears it up. And that's it. It's over. It's done. But they went around talking and spreading and spreading and spreading and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And my dad had to get up and address the whole church. He doesn't have offshore bank accounts. And so, but what happens is some people get offended and they just absorb the offense silently. As I say, as I said earlier, while growing more bitter and more resentful and more bitter and more resentful. And many times they just stop coming to church. They thought somebody said something they didn't say, did something they didn't really do. Actions towards them had meaning that it didn't really have, the meaning it didn't have at all. So if you think someone said something that was offensive to you, or they acted in a way towards you that upset it, that upset you, or they conducted themselves in a manner that hurt you, before you do anything, just be obedient to the word of the Lord. And go to them and talk to them and say, listen, this is what you said and this is how it made me feel. 
And I, I, I just want to talk to you about because you're my brother in the Lord. You're my sister in the Lord. And I don't want there to be any division between us at all. So I'm just coming to you because the Bible says to do this. And I'm coming to you humbly and I'm coming to you in love. I'm not coming criticizing you. We're talk about that in a minute. I'm not coming criticizing you or, man, you said this and you did this. No, no, that, that's, that doesn't fix anything. That doesn't unify anything. That just causes more division. Right? So, but if you're obedient to the word of the Lord and you go to them humbly and, and sincerely and honestly and prayerfully and with wisdom, thinking about what you're going to say, and you go to them and say, listen, listen, I, I, this, this is what you said, and this is how, this is how I took it, and I just want to talk to you about this because I don't want to allow, God's doing this great stuff in our church, and I don't want to allow the enemy to come into my mind or into your mind in order to cause a spirit of division between us in any way, shape, or form, even if it's a small way. I don't want there to be any division between us. So can we just talk about this? And nine times out of ten, that person's going to say, I am so sorry. I didn't mean that at all. Or they're going to say, you know what? I did mean it. I was having a bad day. I'm going through a lot. And I'm going to humbly ask you to forgive me for that. And then what do you do? You pray for one another. and You forgive one another. You hug one another. Now we're all good and let's go. See what I'm saying? See how much better it is when we do it the way the Bible says? Instead of the way we do it? <laughs> we just do what the Bible says, man, it would be so much better. I'm hurrying, but another reason we're to go, go to that individual is in order to maintain, again, just as I've been saying, in order to maintain peace in the church. Peace in the church. Clear up confusion, clear up misunderstanding, maintain peace. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness. You want to know how you're supposed to go to these people, how you're supposed to act? The Bible tells us. If we'll just listen to it, it tells us. With all lowliness and meekness. That's the exact opposite of, you said this and I, it's the exact opposite of that. We are to go with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering forbearing one another in love. Now watch what it says. Endeavoring. Everybody say endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. i got to hurry. But what we need to know is that word endeavoring means to make haste. It means to go with great speed. It means to exert oneself, to work diligently at something, to be prompt, to be earnest about a thing. So when someone misses the mark, we are not to just let it go and forget about it and get mad and upset and critical. We are to be earnest about doing what needs to be done in order to keep the unity of the Spirit in the church. Now I'm not Again, I'm not talking about jumping their case, getting on it with a critical and condemning tongue because that's not going to fix anything and that's not going to produce unity. It's just going to cause a greater division to happen. But the Bible is instructing us. It says we are to exert ourselves. That's, that's totally the opposite of us saying, well, you know, I know I probably need to talk to them and if sometime, if the time is right. You see the difference? But what do we do? Most of the time we say, you know what? Well, you know, if the time is right, and what is that code for? <laughs> That's code for we're never going to talk to them. Right? 
if the time is right, and what we're saying is the timing's never going to be right. I was quiet because I was right on right there. That's what it means. But this is what the Bible tells us to do. It doesn't say, you know, if the time is right. It said to endeavor to, to exert yourself with, with, all, with, with strong, uh, you know, to go about it with haste and great speed. Towards what? Towards a reunion of peace with that person. To do what we need to do to make sure we are at peace one with another. Well, now listen now. Now listen. Well, preacher, you just don't know how they made me feel. You just don't know what the, how, how what they said made me feel. Here's the thing. What I'm teaching about today isn't a matter of feeling. It's a matter of obedience. For what other truths in this scripture are only applicable if our feelings agree with it? Is there any other principles in this book that, that are only become applicable to my life if my feelings agree with it? No. We are to just be obedient to the word of the Lord because it's right and the outcomes of it will be right. Why? Because this is the way God established it. So here's the thing, no matter what our feelings are, we need to be obedient to the word of the Lord when it says this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, and I'm hurrying. Let no corrupt communicate. If we could just do this right here, and I'm talking about myself too, man, this would be awesome. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Nothing leaves my mouth that is corrupt. The only thing that leaves my mouth is that which edifies. I believe it was the Apostle Paul that said, if you don't have anything good to say, <laughs> and you're laughing because some of you know that was not the Apostle Paul that said that. It was your mom that said that. <laughs> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit. You know what that's saying? It's saying every time we stuff comes out of our mouth that is corrupt, it hinders the Spirit of God in a church, in a life and in a church. Grieve. It grieves. It grieves the Spirit of God. That means the Spirit of God is wanting to do one thing, but it is not allowed to do because there's division. Uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now here we go. Keeps telling us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. And then he says, oh, yeah, and by the way, let me just throw that evil speaking stuff back in there again. Because that's what gets you all in trouble. I know I've already talked about it, but I'm going to throw it back in there for good measure in case you weren't paying attention the first time I said it. All evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, ready, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let nothing leave our mouths unless it edifies. Speak only that which ministers grace 
unto the one listening to it. Let go of all bitterness and anger and evil speaking. Be kind one to another and be quick to forgive one another just like Christ has forgiven us. Why? Why? Because our feelings are not greater than a spirit of unity in a church. Nothing, nothing anyone may have said, nothing anyone may have done, nothing we may have said or done is more important than a spirit of unity in the church. And we need to endeavor to work with all diligence to maintain a spirit of unity, not just on big things so we can say we have a relationship with somebody but on all levels of that relationship. Greater than getting our way, we should desire to have unity in the church. Greater than being right. Oh, you're not hearing me. We should desire to have unity in the church. Greater than coming out on top and being victorious, we should desire to have unity in the church. Oh, hallelujah. And why is this so important? The word of the Lord says in Psalms 133, and I'm almost done. Psalms 133, verse 1, a song of degrees of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then he says, it, it, it's like this. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. He's talking about the, the anointing process that went down to the skirts of his garments. There was so much anointing on him that it, that it came from the top of his head and down his beard and down his clothes. And it was so much that it couldn't even soak in. It was, it was so much it just kept flowing and dripped off the bottom. There was that much anointing that rested upon him. The oil of anointing. And the dew of Hermon says not just the anointing upon, but, but when we dwell together, in unity one with another, it is as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. This is letting us know. Listen, when there is unity in a church, there is anointing in a church. When there is unity in a church, there is blessing on that church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so let's make sure. We're not just united in most areas. Let's get united on all areas. Let's not just, let's make sure that we're not just, you know, that there's no division in 90% of our relationship with someone, but let's make sure there's no division on 100% with that someone. Somebody said amen. Let's stand. Thank you for paying so close attention to the word of the Lord today. Listen, it's this, it's this kind of teaching that allows, as I've already said, the anointing of God to fall in that much more powerful of a way and the blessings of the Lord to be released upon us. How many want the continued revival of God's blessing upon us? I want, I, just, I want to keep baptizing people on Sunday. I want to keep seeing people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't want this to, to be a season. It's not the will of God for this to just be a season. I believe it's the will of God for us to see this every Sunday, every week, weekend, and not just Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I believe it's the will of God for this to continue on. But there's some things we're going to have to do to maintain it and to make sure that we're moving forward in an even greater anointing and blessing. And one of those things is being unified 
God like never before. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Jesus, we love you right now. We thank you. We thank you for your presence and your goodness and your touch. We thank you right now, Lord God, for this awesome church. God, these, these are some of the best people in the entire world that are sitting on this, standing in this room right now. I love this church with all of my heart. God, I pray, God, you would just help us. Help us, God. Help us to see where we maybe have been believing a lie of the enemy. That whereas we might have a relationship with somebody and maybe even a, a, a somewhat of a close relationship with somebody that there was still division in some way, shape, or form between us and them. And it is hindering the moving of the Spirit. It is, it is hindering us collaborating together under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as we move forward and work in the church and in the kingdom to accomplish your will and your purpose for this body of believers. God, help us to have such a free flow between one and another. Help there to be nothing between us. Help there to be no issues, no unresolved issues. Help us to be able to work through everything that would possibly stall us out, even it's even if it's for a, a week or even a month or, or an idea that maybe that idea is, is a God idea, but because I can't come into agreement with somebody about it, that idea gets put to the side and your purpose is not fulfilled in our church. And so God, help us now. Help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, Lord. Speak into our lives right now and give us the boldness to be obedient to your word with wisdom and love and compassion and long-suffering, merciful spirits and attitudes to go one to another and make it right between them so we can move forward in the things of you. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody said... Amen, amen, amen. Our custom at this time is just to get out in the aisles and shake some hands, greet some people, hug some people. Amen. I think this is a great time talking about church unity. Go ahead and get out in the aisles and find some folks. If, if, there's, if there's somebody here you don't know all that well, hey, why don't you go to them first before you go to the person you always shake hands with? Why don't you go to them first and get to know them a little bit and talk to them a little bit, have a conversation with them. Amen. I love you. God bless you.